Hello and welcome to Camel Screen Guild Players from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. G. Robinson. I'm Fred Bogart. And Marsha Hunt. The Gulf Screen Guild Theater. Presenting tonight, the amazing Dr. Clitterhouse. And here is your host, the director of the star's own theater, Roger Pryor. Good evening, everyone. The Gulf Oil Companies and your neighborhood good Gulf dealer welcome you to the Gulf Screen Guild Theater. Tonight, we offer the amazing Dr. Clitterhouse, starring Edward G. Robinson as Dr. Clitterhouse, Humphrey Bogart as Rock Valentine, and lovely Marcia Hunt as Miss Randolph. That unusual thespian, Roger Fryer, will portray the mighty arm of the law in the person of Detective Inspector Lane. And now, a word about our story. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, that's somebody about to come in the office of Dr. Clitterhouse. Let's listen in and see what's cooking. Why, Dr. Clitterhouse, I didn't expect you back so early. Was Mrs. Updike's party duller than you thought it would be? No, just about as dull. I never met a woman with such amazing courage. Every time Mrs. Updike hits a high note, I expect her to hit her back. <laughs> oh, uh, you remember Inspector Lane of the police department, Miss Randolph? Of course. Did you enjoy the musical, Inspector? As a matter of fact, nurse, I didn't get there till it was over. Oh? The inspector was invited uh, quite as an afterthought, Miss Randolph. It seems that while Mrs. Updike was singing Close Thine Eyes in the parlor, somebody was in her bedroom stealing $100,000 worth of jewelry. Well, looks like there's plenty cooking, doesn't it? Before we find out just what is on the fire, suppose we find out what's cooking with Bud Heaston. All right, Bud? You know, folks, this is the one season of the year when many of you car owners, especially up north, can actually feel the need of having your car prepared for the weather that's approaching. For when the autumn wind comes whipping round your ears, that's a mighty good reminder that your car needs protection, too. That's why, right now, your neighborhood good golf dealer is offering his own winter service specials. You folks in the North will find that your good golf dealer has a light, free-flowing grade of golf lube motor oil that will give you faster starts, and that he has lighter lubricants for your transmission and differential to make shifting and driving easier. In addition, there's that famous Golflex service, Golflex Registered Lubrication, the modern scientific method of car lubrication that protects the chassis and wearing parts of your car and helps it last longer. So start this season off right. Stop tomorrow at your good golf dealer's for his own winter service special. Check, Mr. Heaston. And now, friends, there's dirty work afoot, so let's get back into Dr. Clitterhouse's office, where he and Nurse Randolph and Inspector Lane are discussing the jewel robbery at Mrs. Updike's music house. All right, Oscar Bradley, put us back in Dr. Clitterhouse's office. A hundred thousand dollars worth of jewelry. That thief was no piker. Do you have any clues, Inspector? No, not yet, but we'll catch the fellow all right. Oh, yes, I was almost forgetting why he came here with me, Inspector. Uh, Miss Randolph, uh, Inspector Lane has a headache. Uh, will you get me that bottle of uh, Faradictal Chloride tablet? I, I believe it's in the cabinet. Yes, sir. Oh, and uh, put my bag in the closet for me, will you? Certainly, Doctor. I hope your pills will fix me up. I haven't had a good night's sleep in weeks. Well, these robberies are getting on your nerves, hmm? Yeah, this uptake affair is the fourth in the last month. All obviously done by the same man, too. You have no idea who the crook is. No, not yet. But he'll make a mistake. They all do. Well, uh, what kind of a mistake do you think he'll make, Lane? Is this that hobby of yours again? The medical approach to crime? Well, someday criminologists will thank me for that hobby. But I would like to know, uh, what kind of a mistake are you hoping for? Well, it'd be nice if he went to the wrong fence. Fence? Uh, 
Oh, yes. Uh, receiver, you mean, huh? Yeah, the guy who buys the hot stuff. Oh, yeah. If he picks the wrong one, oh, that'll be the end for him because I know them all. From the double-crossing petty larceny guys right up to Rox Valentine. Rox Valentine. <laughs> what an interesting name. Yeah. Yeah, Rox is the big boy. We've never been able to get much on him. Hmm, Rox Valentine, huh? Well, sounds like a pretty clever fellow. Uh, here are the sleeping pills, Doctor. No, thank you. Uh, anything wrong, nurse? Uh, no, no, nothing. Oh, you look a little upset. Well, uh, this is the paradigm chloride, all right. Uh, found it in the cabinet, hmm? No, Doctor. It was... It was in your medical bag. You, uh... Opened my bag? Yes, Doctor. Well, Lane, uh, these should do the trick. Uh, just take the dose prescribed on the bottle. Only half a tablet? Well, that's all that's given as a sedative. In larger quantities, paradigm chloride is a deadly poison. Oh. Okay, Doctor, and thanks. Say, this clip would make swell material for your book. When we get them, I'll invite you down. Oh, I'll be there, all right. So you opened my bag, Miss Randolph. Yes, Doctor. Rather glittering array of equipment in that bag, don't you think? Yes, Doctor. Well, did you see any uh, uh, medical supplies you'd care to wear? Dr. Clitterhouse, you, you stole those jewels. They are the proceeds of my fourth burglary. You deliberately committing a robbery. Four robberies, Miss Randolph. Uh, don't talk as if I were a beginner. But what can you possibly want with all that jewelry? Oh, I don't want it. Candidly, it's a nuisance. An unfortunate byproduct of my experiment. You're experimenting with criminals? Oh, yes, I've been planning a book on the medical aspects of crime for a long time now, Miss Randolph. My book will show how the nervous tension caused by crime changes the entire mental and physical makeup of the criminal. But you don't know any criminals. Precisely. And so I became a criminal myself. I planned a series of burglaries and went through with them. And as accurately as I could, I analyzed my medical reaction to each crime. Of course, it's uh, merely a research in a rather unusual form. Well, uh, let's shut up shop. I've had quite a busy day. Tomorrow I pay a little visit to Rox Valentine. A patient? No, uh, a fence. Well, let's, uh... What are you looking for, Miss Randolph? A sleeping pill. For me? No, for me. For the tenth time, there ain't no Rox Valentine in this apartment. Well, but he must be here. Uh, hey, wait a minute. The Swede didn't send you here, did he? Uh, my good man, it doesn't pay to inquire too deeply into things that concern the, uh, uh, the Swede. Then you are from the Swede. Hmm? Uh, well, who, who said I wasn't? Yeah. What does he look like? The Swede? Yeah. Well, he has blonde hair and blue eyes. Yeah. And what kind of accent does he talk with? Uh, Swedish. Well, I guess you're okay. <laughs> I, uh, I gotta be careful, see, cause the heat's on for rocks. He gets kind of nervous at times. Oh, like really? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, tell me, have you ever examined him when he gets nervous? Uh, does he exhibit any outward signs? Uh, constriction of the pupils, for instance. Huh? I say, is there any constriction? Uh, uh, you know what constriction is, don't you? Yeah, sure, but I ain't worried. I'm past the age limit. <laughs> well, come on in. What's going on, okay? This guy wants to see you, Ruff. Yeah? Who are you? Well, that has no bearing on our business. Say the words, boss. I throw him out. Well, take it easy, Popus. I'll handle this. What do you want, buddy? Well, I understand your offense, Mr. Valentine. So what? What's your business? This. 
Pretty smooth diamonds. Boy, what a hunk of ice. Get out your eyeglass, Popa. See if they're the McCoy. But he's not only 100% as McCoy, but he's positively in person the Updike brooch. The Updike brooch? Yes. Here's the Updike tiara, the Updike necklace, the Updike bracelet, and the Updike dog collar. Holy smoke, what a dog collar for a pooch. Uh, what's the leech made out of, platinum? Hey, look, bud. Are you trying to tell us you pulled the Updike job? Well, I'm telling you, uh, nothing. I think that these jewels, being in my possession, speak for me. Yeah, well, they ain't saying why you came down here to see me. Well, it's all very simple, Rocks. I need you, and you need me. Now, what do you say to my joining you professionally? What? You mean become one of the mob? Yes. Yes, screwy. Well... I'm sorry we couldn't make a deal, Rocks, but that's your business. You know, these Updike jewels are small stuff. Yeah? Oh, just a sample of the halls we could make working together. Well, goodbye, gentlemen. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Maybe we could use you at that, buddy. Well, now you're using your head, Rocks. Only remember, I don't trust no one, see? No one. <laughs> well, I hope I'll give you good reason to alter that philosophy. He talks like a universal professor, don't he? Yeah. <laughs> well, Professor... You wanted a mob now. Let's have a drink on it. Thank you. Well, here's to crime and research. And what? Never mind. Make it just uh, to crime. Well, here I am, a member of a bona fide group of thieves. It's amazing, gentlemen. Really amazing. Dr. Glitterhouse's office. No, Inspector Lane, the doctor is still in Bermuda. I can't say. It may be months. Oh, your headaches have returned? On account of some robberies. Well, I'll call you the moment the doctor turns to town. All right, Inspector. Hiya, Professor. Oh, uh... Oh, hello, Rock. Everything all right? Yeah, that loft was a pushover. We split up. The boys will be back soon. Say, what's in that tube on your desk? Blood. I took the specimen from O.K. before he went out on the warehouse job. I'll take another when he gets back. You got more O.K.'s blood now than he has. Say, I, uh... I've been wanting to talk to you, Professor. All right, Rocks. What's on your mind? I don't like the way things are going lately. What's the matter? We've been successful enough, haven't we? That ain't it. I used to be the head man around here. I don't like the way you moved in, see? And the main thing I don't like is that book you keep writing. Well, now, I've told you a hundred times there's nothing in this book that concerns you. Yeah, but if it don't concern me, why don't you show me what's in it? Well, really, Rox, you're, you're making a mountain out of a mole here. I don't go in for this close-mouth business. Now, open up, Professor. What's your name? Hmm? Who are you, anyway? Well, Rox, that is the major thing that doesn't concern you. Hiya, boys. The stuff is here and it's mellow. The most beautiful furs you ever see. Yeah. I picked out a nice mink for my wife. Her sable coat was beginning to look even shabbier than her aim. Throw the stuff on the table. Let's have a look at it. Yes, and uh, while Rox is examining the take... I I know, I know. Here we go again. Okay, Professor. Jab away. (laughs) You too, Popus. Roll up your sleeves. I'm ready with the needle. Please, Professor. I got enough holes in me now from this. You know how we spray the lawn at our house? No. I drink a glass of water and go out and stand in the grass. <laughs> well, there. Thank you, gentlemen. You've been very good subjects. You've told me all I wanted to know. Ah, it's a nice hall. There must be half a million bucks worth of furs there. 
My cut will come to plenty. Well, your cut will come to even more than you think, Rog. Huh? What do you mean? Well, I'm going to divide my share among the three of you. Huh? You mean you, you don't want no money from this job? Exactly. What's the idea? Seems kind of funny to me. Funny? Is incomprehensible. Well, you see, gentlemen, it's a little farewell gift for me to you. Oh. So you're walking out, huh? Just like that, huh? Uh-huh. Just like that. Taking your little black book with you. Oh, yes, indeed I am. Uh, pardon me, Rox. I'd like to use the phone behind you. Thanks. Hello? Yes, I've decided. Well, uh, tell Mrs. Gansford I'll see her in the morning. What? Yes, I weathered all storms and I arrive home tomorrow for good. Yes, tomorrow then. Well, goodbye, gentlemen. It's been very enlightening to have known you. So long, Professor. Happy day, sport. Thanks, fellows. And now that there are no hard feelings, Rock, get out. <laughs> Very well. I'll see you in the medical papers, gentlemen. You think the guy's daffy? Daffy, nothing. I'm going to do a little research work on my own. Where's that phone? Give me a screwdriver, Popus. You going to take the phone apart, Bob? Sure, I fitted a piece of the pencil lead under the dial. When your professor spun it, it went around with the dial and made a mark each time. I used a watch to click it over a notch with every spin. Holy smoke, look at it. It worked pretty good. Now, there's seven marks there. All I got to do is sort of translate them. Pretty nice of the professor to write down his own number for me. Well, here goes. You're, you're, you're phoning this number? Shut up. Hey, Rock, that ain't fine. Shut up, I tell you. Hello? Is this Plaza 74018? Who? Dr. Who's residence? Oh. Never mind. Thanks. So that's who he is. Well, now it's my turn. <laughs> The house doesn't know it, but there's a goose cooking, and I think it's his. Our golf theater audience will know all the answers in just a moment. And meanwhile, here's a young fellow with an answer or two on another subject. Your headquarters for making your automobile last longer. That's a mighty good way of thinking of your neighborhood good golf dealers. Because every time you drive in at the sign of the Gulf Orange Disc, your good golf dealer can help lengthen the life of your car. For instance, right now, he's offering his own winter service specials, about which you've heard earlier. These service specials not only keep your car in tune with winter, they help it last longer, too. And your Gulf dealer is always ready with other Gulf-quality products, such as Gulf No-Knox gasoline, the extra-value gasoline that has been especially designed to prevent harmful pounding and hammering inside your motor. So right now, when you may not know just how long it'll be before you get a new car, stop regularly at your good Gulf dealers to help your present car stay young longer. Now for the second act of The Amazing Dr. Clitterhouse, starring Edward G. Robinson as Clitterhouse, Humphrey Bogart as Rocks, Marcia Hunt as the nurse, and with yours truly as Inspector Lane. Dr. Clitterhouse has left the gang, renounced his life of crime, and is once more ensconced in his office as a dignified medico. It's the following night, and Clitterhouse is working on his research notes in his office. Ah, you sound happy, Professor. Rock. How did you get to my office? <laughs> it was a cinch. Kind of careless of a mastermind to leave his windows open. 
Dr. Clitterhouse. Oh. You know my name, too. Yeah, I know all about you. You intend exposing me to the police? Me? Do a thing like that? Why should I? Well, then what do you want? Now, take it easy. We'll get to that. While I was waiting for you, I've been reading your little black book here. My notes? Names and everything in here. Blood analysis of OK after loft robbery. Pupils of Rock's eyes react slowly to strong light. Ought to make nice reading for the cops. Now, look here, Rox. I've tried to... Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were alone. Oh, it's all right, Miss Randolph. Anything wrong? Uh, no, I just forgot to tell you that I put some paradisal chloride tablets in your cabinet. Mrs. Gansett might call. Oh, yes. Uh, well, uh, thank you, Miss Randolph. Good night. Good night. Stick around, sweetheart. What? I said stick around, sweetheart. Maybe the doc's been shooting off his mouth to you, too. Doctor, what right is this man to... Well, I'm terribly sorry, Miss Randolph. Apparently, I've made the same mistake as the immortal Dr. Frankenstein. This is my monster. Oh, then he must be one of... I mean... I was right, eh? The dame is one. Well, I assure you, Rox, that Miss Randolph is the soul of discretion. Now, please let her go. She stays, Doc. She knows what the score was, so she may as well know what the score's gonna be. Oh, you have a plan? Sure, I got a plan. These notes of yours prove plenty, and I've got them. And that sort of puts you over the barrel. From now on, Doc... You're going to be working for me. Oh, very interesting. It's wonderful. You got an in with a lot of rich guys, and you're going to use it. Mm-hmm. You're going to slip me the layout of their houses, find out safe combinations, tell me when they won't be home. It'll be a cleanup for me. And just to show you I ain't a bad guy, I'm going to give you 10%. Well, your generosity stuns me. You'll take it and like it. Doctor, you mustn't let him do this. No, you? I'm afraid it's unavoidable. Well, uh, what else can I do? Nothing but offer your new boss a drink. Oh, yes, sir. Yes, a good suggestion. I have some excellent scotch in the cabinet. Wow. About six fingers and a water glass ought to do the trick. Oh, uh, how about you, sweetheart? A little snifter? No, thank you. Ah, don't be like that. You know, you ain't bad looking. You take them flat-heeled shoes off you and take some of the starch out of that I'll uniform. Alone, Rock. Private stock, huh? <laughs> okay. But hurry up with a drink. Talking to her gives me a chill. On the way. Rox, do you seriously mean all you've said? Try and cross me, Doc. You'll find out. Well, that's that. Here's your drink. Thanks. Not bad. It's imported. You uh, probably noticed the full smoky flavor. Well, a toast. So a killing for me and 10% for you. Well, couldn't you make that to crime and research? <laughs> Still harping on uh, research, huh? Yes, because uh, I have some more to do. I've neglected the study of the greatest crime of all. Yeah, what's that? Murder. Ah, that's bad business, Doc. You can't get away with it. Oh, I don't know. It's quite easy for a doctor to eliminate someone. A poison administered in the guise of medicine, the body dropped in some convenient river, and the verdict would be death by drowning. You've got a nasty mind, Doc. <sighs> I'm getting... Sort of sleepy. You are, Rox? Yeah. That drink sure hit me. Oh, did it? Look at me. Can you see me clearly? No. I look funny. Small and far off. My voice. Sounds rather indistinct, doesn't it? Uh, talk, talk louder. I can't hear you good. What have you done to him? Well, as you pointed out, Miss Randolph, there were paradigmal chloride tablets in the cabinet. Doc, I can't open my eyes. 
know, Rox. And you never will again. You! You! Uh. Oh, thank you. There's no use struggling. Unfortunately, you placed me in a position where this was the only way out. I couldn't very well sacrifice my life's work because you were greedy, could I, Rox? Could I, Rox? No, I couldn't. You... You killed him? Yes. I'm terribly sorry I had to do it, but he was going to place me in such a position that my life's work would suffer. I'm so sorry, Rox, but you created an impossible situation, my friend. Dr. Clitterhouse? Oh, Inspector Lane. Oh, delighted to see you. What brings you out so early, Inspector? I've got another splitting headache. Oh, that's too bad. How long have you had it? Since early this morning. It started when we fished the body of Rox Valentine out of the river. Really? Mm-hmm. He was full of poison. Paradictal chloride. Oh, how distressing for him. Any clues? Yes. Yes, in his pocket was a book of matches with a telephone number written inside the cover. Hmm. It was somewhat blurred by the water, but it's either... Plaza 74018, what? Or Plaza 74016. Well, it couldn't be Plaza 74018. That's my number. Yeah. So it uh, must be the other one, 4016. Uh, that belongs to the Beauty Form Girdle Company. Well, <laughs> oh, uh, valuable clue, Inspector. Oh, we'll get more. We just picked up Harry Popus and O.K. Kinsella, and we'll soon have a complete description of this mysterious professor. I'm on my way to talk to them now. Hmm. Uh, but your headache, Inspector. Oh, well, that's almost gone. Uh, however, don't be surprised if I drop back later today. No, uh, no, no, I, I won't. Uh, goodbye, Inspector. Miss Randolph. Yes, Doctor. Get Tom Harrick down the phone, please. Your lawyer? Yes, uh, tell him I want to see him immediately. Doctor, why did Inspector Lane come here? What was it? He had a headache, Miss Randolph. Oh. The contagious kind. Now I have one. Inspector Lane will be back soon to place me under arrest. Oh, Doctor, that's terrible. Oh, no, no, don't worry, Miss Randolph. It's a clear case of monomania. As my own personal physician, I've just diagnosed my own case. Yes, Dr. Clitterhouse? I'm crazy, Miss Randolph. Absolutely crazy. <laughs> Order in the court, please. Will the foreman of the jury please stand? Yes, Your Honor. Have you arrived at a verdict? Mm, well, no, Your Honor. We can't figure out the testimony of those alienists. They talk about uh, melancholia and uh, psychoneuroses and, and hyperamnesia and, until it drives us nuts. Uh, pardon me, depression. Uh, their language leaves a doubt in your mind? That's right. We know Dr. Clitterhouse killed Valentine. He said so himself. But we've listened to all those experts, and we still don't know whether he's sane or whether he's, uh... Well... Go ahead. I'll pardon expression. Uh, thanks, Your Honor. Nuts! <laughs> uh, I'm, uh, I'm sure that none of us has any desire to prolong this trial. Uh, Dr. Clitterhouse. Yes, Your Honor. Would you resume the witness stand? Certainly, sir. Mr. Foreman, I am recalling Dr. Clitterhouse in order to put several questions to him myself. Oh, I, uh, I hope it works, Your Honor. Are you ready for the questioning, Dr. Clitterhouse? Now, look here, Your Honor. We've been at this for days, and I'm tired of all this nonsense. Let's get it over with. I'm not insane at all. 
I was aware of the consequences of my actions that night. You were? Yes, but not of their extent or far-reaching possibility. Your Honor. Yes, Mr. Harrington? Your Honor, could we have a short recess? I'm sorry, Mr. Harrington, but that's impossible. But I'm afraid that the strain on my client... That will be all, Mr. Harrington. Now, Dr. Clitterhouse, as a competent medical authority, do you believe it possible for an insane man to write a sane book? Emphatically not. In that case, do you consider your book, Crime and Research, to be irrational and of no scientific value? Quite the contrary. I consider my book completely rational and of definite scientific value. Say what you please about me. Do anything to me the law allows. But you cannot, you must not question the sanity of my book. I see. Now, assuming that it is impossible for an insane man to write a sane book, in your opinion, you are perfectly sane. Perfectly. Now, do what you will with me. Well, I'm sorry, Dr. Clitterhouse. If, as you say... Oh, uh, Your Honor. Mr. Foreman? uh, You don't have to ask him anything else. We've reached a verdict. What is the verdict? Not guilty, by reason of insanity. What? Well, how how on earth did you arrive at that? Well, Your Honor, the the prisoner hasn't got a prayer unless he proves himself insane. His life depends on it. So there he sits, trying his best to prove he's sane. Only an insane man would do that. So he must be... uh, Pardon the expression. Say, uh, I mean, it's uh, not very nuts. Dr. Clitterhouse, you have heard the verdict of the jury. Have you, any, have you any comment to make? Amazing. Really amazing. to Edward G. Robinson, Humphrey Bogart, and Marcia Hunt for a most entertaining show. And our thanks to them also for enthusiastically contributing their performances in the Gulf Screen Guild Theater tonight so that Gulf could donate the money they would have received to the Motion Picture Relief Fund for the care of those people in the industry who can no longer support themselves. And now, now... Right. What goes with that Oscar Bradley at the piano? Doggone it. I've told Oscar time and time again he must not arrange next week's tunes during this week's show. Now, why can't he wait till we're off the air? Oh, well, maybe Oscar's just ambitious and wants to do a particularly fine job on next week's music. Well, that's probably it, bud, because next week we're going to do that particularly fine musical comedy, Babes in Arms. Oh, you, you don't mean to tell me that you'll have the stars of the movie here. Could be. Those two wonderful, terrific, delightful, splendid... Who else? Mickey Rooney and Judy Garland. Yes, sir, that's our bill for next week, friends. One of the finest shows we've ever presented in the Gulf Screen Guild Theater. Judy Garland and Mickey Rooney in Babes in Arms. Mark it down as a date with us, won't you? Until next Sunday, then, this is Roger Pryor speaking for your neighborhood good golf dealer and saying, Good night, everyone. Now, Gulf brings you words about defense savings bonds. Give me liberty or give me death. Those are the words of Patrick Henry, words that have run down through the years. Because America's liberty is mighty precious, it is, well, worth defending, too. Do your bet to keep your country free by buying United States defense bonds at fence. Go to your post office or bank tomorrow. For complete details, write USA, care of this station. Marsha Hunt and Edward G. Robinson have just finished Unholy Partners for MGM. Mr. Robinson is currently making The Night Before Christmas. And Humphrey Bogart has just finished Maltese Falcon, both Warner Brothers pictures. Oscar Bradley directed our music tonight, assisted by Frank Tours. 
Be sure to tune in to the Gulfstream Guild Theater next Sunday night when we present Mickey Rooney and Judy Garland in the delightful musical Babes in Arms. It'll be a great show. But he's been speaking. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System.